Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. 46% of Americans expect to leave behind financial obligations when they pass away. So it's crucial to make sure your family is financially protected. Policy Genius helps you find the right life insurance coverage by comparing options from America's top insurers with help from licensed, award-winning agents. Secure your financial future with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get free life insurance quotes in just a few clicks. That's policygenius.com. So there you go. If Elon Musk ever gets to build his creepy Martian utopia, we will have fish to thank for it. I actually at one point wondered if he was like real or not. Like he may have been like a robot. Every time somebody says Lake Minnetonka, I have to say to myself, why don't you purify yourself in the waters of Lake Minnetonka? I miss the days when you could moon people and not get in trouble. Bent! Good morning, degenerate anglers, and welcome to Bent, the fishing podcast that refused to include any kids that couldn't skate in its roller hockey game. I'm Joe Cermelli. I'm Miles Nolte, and, and and I was one of those kids. I I was not in the game, <laughs> but you know what? I I didn't care because I was at the skate park on a skateboard, where we wouldn't <laughs> let any of you Barney ass bladers anywhere near the ramps or anything else for that matter. You weren't allowed. That's yeah. Uh, that, look, that's fair. Skateboarder, you were always cooler, right? Yeah. And I, I I'm not talking extreme rollerblading. I'm talking about in a <laughs> hockey context here. Okay. I, I will say, though, I find it fascinating that skateboard has remained cool, but rollerblades have disappeared. You, and I, no, that makes perfect no, sense to no, me. No, listen, 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 listen. I see the fad dropping out in terms of extreme rollerblading, mm-hmm. like like the skate park, the, the kids that bothered you, but nobody rollerblades anymore, period. Not for fitness, not for anything. Like, I, I don't even know if kids play street hockey anymore. I don't even know if that's a thing. Like, like kids my kids' age... What do they roll with on their feet? They don't, you don't, you don't have roller skates. You don't have, you know, roller blades. I don't understand how that just disappeared. But other than fishing, it was the only sport I was ever into. I played street hockey weekly on blades that looked like ice hockey skates. I had the CCM official <laughs> roller hockey skates. <laughs> and even if I was playing goal, I kept the skates on. Most kids were like, oh, I'm playing goal. I'm putting my sneakers on. Now you keep the skates on. I mean, I'm not sure if you're actually asking me what happened to rollerblades because no, like, I'm. I, I you if, if that's the case, you were asking the wrong guy because clearly I don't know and I don't want to know because I don't care. We could we could call up my cousin. I guess he was he was on the state roller hockey championship team. I think, but nah. no, he was really yeah, he was my younger cousin. He was a badass. Oh, I'd like to know more. I'd like to know more about that. Yeah, could he not ice skate? Is that why? It was Hawaii, so ice skating oh. not so much a thing. Got to, got to, got to think about uh, what was appropriate. Uh, got it. And got it. And just to like close the loop on this, man, I think I know what replaced rollerblades for the kids, and and they're called razor scooters, and they're equally oh. terrible. And I, I put rollerblades and razor scooters together with tankara rods. All right. Ooh. Yes, that's where Ooh. I put both of them into that category. Like they're the kind of thing though. Any of those things, the kind of thing you might, you might have one hidden like way in the back of your garage under a bunch of stuff. And like, you might even use it occasionally when you were a hundred percent positive that no one that you respect is going to see you. 
But if one of your buddies were to like, hey, what's what do you got back here? And like, see that in your garage, you're going to lie and you're going to say it belongs to your kid. Oh, God, the letters we're going to get about that one. We're going to get letters about <laughs> Tenkara, that Tenkara, <laughs> Razor Scooters, Rollerblades, all together. I said it. Oh, man. But, you know, we like letters. Thank God. So that's okay. <laughs> Speaking of places that you, you won't find Tenkara stuff in plain view, let's head over nice. to White Tail Country Dude, that was a Flash really good segue. Shop. You like that? That was really well on the done. Upper Delaware, <laughs> on the Upper Delaware River. And I am very tight with the Whitetail Fly Shop crew. So we've got kind of a different smooth move segment for you this week. I actually recorded this in the shop months ago during prime season with shop manager Pat Cook. And let's just say we're all familiar with the kind of nonsense guides on the water have to deal with, but we've yet to venture into the life of the shop guy, which is different. So here's a little taste. Why did you do that? Why? Why did you do that, Terry? Oh, my God. Little change of pace for smooth moves here this week. Uh, I am actually recording from inside Whitetail Country Fly Shop in Starlight, PA, one of my favorite shops on the planet and one of my favorite destinations. And, you know, uh, smooth moves thus far has been tailored to captains and guides telling stories of ridiculous shit that their clients have done. But we, we want to be all-inclusive with the fishing industry, so we're going to change it up a little bit today, and we've got uh, Pat Cook here. How you doing, Pat? Doing pretty good. Good, good. Now, the shop guy is the unsung hero, <laughs> Pat. Don't you feel unsung? feel just kept in the corner like baby. <laughs> so I, I want to I give, give voice to the unsung here, so... Um, I figured, um, similarly to uh, some some lunacy that that guides and captains see, um, this can be like Groundhog Day, right? Just the same questions over and over. Yeah, I'd say ten times, at least ten times a day, you get the same question. Normally, what fly works? Okay, which is an easy one because I just say <laughs> none of them. <laughs> okay, but you you've got a you've got a particularly standout. Um, customer interaction that you're going to give us on smooth move today. So, so lay it on me, man. How this, what, 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 what do you got? Well, uh, so I had a guy, let me think. I had a guy come in. He's a nice guy, you know, sure. he, he was a nice guy, sure. genuinely nice guy. Didn't know that any of this was happening. <laughs> meaning, meaning you were going to be talking about him later? No, well, no, didn't. I don't think he realized the things that he was saying. Oh, okay. He was just one of those, you know, that's great. I actually, at one point wondered if he was like, real or not like he may have been like a robot so so he comes in you know and he's petering around hey how you doing and he's uh he's like oh great you know just passing through you know and i'm like oh okay you guys fishing he's like well no i only fish freshwater i don't fish the rivers i was like oh okay yeah you know so i thought maybe he miss maybe he misspoke you know i give him the benefit of the doubt maybe he misspoke so then I'm like, oh, okay, where are you guys from? And he's like, oh, I live over by Lake Cuomo. As I said, I do only freshwater fishing. This is a real conversation? Real conversation. I said, oh, okay, well, you know, uh, if you ever think about getting out on the rivers, we're here. And he's like, yeah, I like the freshwater. <laughs> this legitimately happens. So then he gets over, you know, he's looking around for a while, and he gets over by the hats, and he, he wants to buy something. I can see that he wants to support, get a, yeah, support a, small business, souvenir, if you will. <laughs> wants to get something, so he's looking at the hats, and uh, he's like, "Well, why is this hat twenty dollars more expensive than this hat?" And, okay. I, and I say, "Well, one's waterproof." He says, "Oh." He says, "Well, what happens to the hat if it gets wet?" And I said, "The waterproof one or the other one?" He said, "The other one." He said, well, generally when hats get wet, they collect dirt, and they maybe lose a little of their form. So then he says, oh, okay. So then he's trying them both on. And then he says, well, why does this hat fit differently than this hat does? And I say, well, I'm not sure. It could be the crown in the hat. I didn't know what to say at that point. Um, he ended up not buying the waterproof hat. He ended up buying the powder blue hat that I thought might be for his daughter, but he said, this is going to look great on me. <laughs> was it at least a Whitetail Country Fly Shop hat? No, it was uh, something else. Big brand. <laughs> not a small, not a small shop. <laughs> okay, th this is why I'm in favor of us expanding the smooth move concepts this way. 
I, I like this because even though even though that story doesn't have a, like an oh damn punchline at the end right. of it, you know, right. like where someone takes a dump <laughs> in the live well or falls out of the boat, it's yeah, it's more layered and yes. it, it realistically portrays what it's like to work in the fishing service industry because that's what it is. Yeah, the guys like guys 100%. like Pat deal with with this lunacy multiple times a day, most of the days that they go to work. Yep, and it's 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 more subtle but in some ways it's almost funnier because uh, all right i guided for a lot of different shops over the course of my guiding career and i i never worked the counter but i would right, see these right. poor kids show up every morning <laughs> when i was waiting to meet my clients and they were opening the shop and they just they had this look of resignation in their faces like like yeah like, kind of like dante and clerks when when they're opening the yeah. shop you know <laughs> Exactly. And just to mix, I'm, I'm going to mix 90s uh, comedy references here a bit, but like if past smooth moves were the equivalent of like Jim Carrey or Sinbad stand up, this one was squarely Stephen Wright. I got up the other day and everything in my apartment had been stolen and replaced with an exact replica. <laughs> or maybe Mitch Hedberg, right? That's a cynical <laughs> dude. And that's why I like him. And even if it wasn't at a fly shop, if you ever worked in retail ever, mm -hmm. you understand why this is comical, mm -hmm. especially because you like, you're so forced to stick to that customer is always right thing. Even if you're just dying to be a total dick and you can't. And, uh, anyway, look, I would love to get a few more shop owners in the mix. We know plenty of them. So that very well could happen. Yeah, we do. We know a lot of them and, and hopefully they'll be here soon. In the meantime, let's, uh, let's keep up some of that, that hot sales action. We're going to move from buying ugly fishing hats that are not waterproof to selling gently used fishing waders that hopefully are waterproof in this week's sale bin. Well, why did you put the head in the paper if you don't know what I'm getting at? Well, you, you didn't have to be so hurtful with me, so angry. Today, we've got a listing I found on OfferUp, and this is from Philadelphia, PA. And everything about this listing is so Philly, I can hardly stand it. This is a straight-up Philly John right here for the people in the area that know what that term means uh up for grabs today we've got some used neoprene boot foot waders but here's the title of the listing fishing waders spelled w-a-i-t-e-r-s as in waiter in a restaurant which must be like the you know the pool waitress in national <laughs> lampoon's vacation um anyway fishing waiters nothing wrong with them just got too fat. <laughs> I'm still laughing. I'm still laughing at this one. Uh, quick, I got I to gotta jump back for a second, though. I think you need to maybe do a weekly word on John, because I and many others out there have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, J-A-W-N, but I, it's not a fishing term. Uh, all right, well. My Philly peeps will get it. Yeah, I, I got nothing on that one. But when you did send me this, I... I I laughed a lot and I'm still kind of laughing because of all the things that you just heard, right? Like they're, they're the misspellings. There's, there's everything going on and, and just got too fat, like straight to the point. <laughs> I actually, I enjoyed it so much. I actually texted back LOL and I you did, I hate text shorthand and I never use it, but I did. I did that. I did it. I know. I know you wrote to be, I mean, let me see. I hate LOL, but I actually am doing that right now. I was. So this listing forced you to briefly embrace text acronyms. It did. Um, anyhow, the description mirrors, mirrors the listing title. It reads fishing waiters, spelled the same way. Nine and a half, I just got too fat. But you know what? Uh, I feel like it's at least possible that, that there's a shred of honesty here. Like he's doing oh, this. Oh, I think it's totally to be, honest. To be honest. Yeah. 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 No, it uh it this one reminds me of the guy. It's a little less tragic, but it reminds me of the guy selling his surf gear cuz he <laughs> hates his dad, you know. It's oh, like yeah, my dad's selling cuz my dad's a jerk. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, yeah that that guy. makes me like I I love this level of honesty in a in a in a sale post because it 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 reassures you. It's like saying there's nothing wrong with this gear. Like there's nothing wrong with these waders. They're not leaking and 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 getting y'all cold. They just don't fit cuz I got fat. And I I I believe that because he's willing to be that honest in his text. I think, I think it's kind of a brilliant strategy, really. Uh, and I also I sympathize with, with his dilemma because Lord knows I've been there. Like I have friends be like, dude, you're giving me a practically brand new Sims foul weather suit. Are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, I, you know, I don't really, I don't really, I don't wear gray anymore. You know, They're like, didn't you just get this a few months ago? I'm like, yeah, 
Yeah, I did. You know, <laughs> so I, I I feel you, brother. I feel you. Oh man, I'm not gonna touch. I'm not gonna touch that one, Joe. I'm gonna leave that alone. Um, but I feel like we have to dive into the waiters a little bit because, as much as I appreciate his presentation, I, I have a little issue with with this product and pricing. He's asking fifty bucks. Yeah. But these are Fish America Pro Gear waiters. These are yep. not your Sims G4Zs people nope. <laughs> these are these are like that stock brand that you find at, at walmart or kmart or whatever you got and i'm not dogging on that kind of waiters i've worn plenty of them but i doubt they cost more than 50 bucks retail yeah like off yeah. the shelf yeah i agree because these are the caliber of waiters i bought for years like you know yeah. high school and college and and you just buy them and and i would always just expect to buy a new pair the following year you know they were what they were but i was i was thinking the same thing because let's just say they were 80 bucks right so 30 bucks off isn't bad but it, it, it's it's too risky of an item right waiters are one of those ones like used waiters you're you're taking a risk there yeah you will be very uncomfortable so i mean i assume that the, the guy you know he's saying i got too fat and then he's being honest right but at the same time it's still a risk like if i needed backup waiters and saw these at, at a yard sale or something i i'm still taking your word no matter how nice you come off that they don't leak so for you know 20 bucks i might i might take that shot but 50 i don't know, you know? yeah I'd drop 20 on it, but I don't think I'd go as high as 50. But hopefully, hopefully someone does buy these from, from mm-hmm. this particular individual because I, I, <laughs> I've already said I applaud their honesty and their, their, their sales technique. Um, and I hope whoever winds up in them is, is very happy and stays dry and they, they fit great. We both got <laughs> a very good laugh out of this one. We did. And, uh, and all of you out there continue to send us just such good salesman items, and we, we love it. So if and when you find a listing that you think we should, we should spend some time with, just pass it along to bent at themeateater.com. If you're the kind of person that would be skeptical of buying old hip boots at a garage sale, you might also be skeptical of our ability to deliver the most pertinent and accurate current events in fishing. But we're going to try and earn your trust anyway. It's time for Fish News. Fish News! That escalated quickly. All right. I have um, kind of a cool shout out this week. I have to thank 15-year-old Marin Brosick because she let me borrow her net. Okay, now hear me out, okay? No, this is great. Yeah, okay, okay. You're going to love this uh, for multiple reasons. Marin is the daughter of my bud, Eric Brosick. And Eric, he runs shuttle for us time to time on a particular river um, in PA here, northeast. And a few weeks ago, I met up with my bud, Nick Raftis, who is a professional full-time trout fishing guide on said river. He's been on the show. We've had Nick on the show, right? And... As, as we're dumping his boat in, I'm looking around and I'm like, bro, you bring a net. And now Nick, Nick claims his net must have been stolen. So I'll go with that. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll let him have it. Your net got stolen. But regardless, we had no net, okay? And suffice it to say, like in this river, especially in the middle of the winter, you ain't hooking a lot of trout. But generally speaking, if you pin one, you're going to want a net. Right. So Eric was with us and out of the kindness of his heart, he drove Nick's rig with the with the trailer in tow to his own house and came back with two net options, both of which were extremely short, short handled wooden waiting nets like standard waiting over your back standard waiting magnets on them. No, there were there were no magnets. Um, So we just went with the one with the with the bigger hoop, which turns out to be the net Eric had made for Marin for Christmas a couple years ago, custom complete with a lovely purple lanyard and while it was awkward to wheel on a drift boat we put a 1921 and 23 in it so Marin apparently heard about this later and was so happy her net came through for us um she told her dad she should be on fish news so Marin you've Damn now right been on should. fish news okay i thank you for the net loan um you you had the proper tool a full-time professional trout fishing guide did not and i props. thank you for that props to you Marin. <laughs> well done saving the day uh, I've got I've got one quick thing too, and several different listeners forwarded me this, so I'm I'm just gonna cover it real quick. Um, you ever notice how it seems like whenever we get on a roll with particular kinds of stories, something along those same lines just keeps popping up everywhere. Like like the last couple of weeks, we've each talked about Wells catfish eating birds, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'm not gonna do another full news story on it because two weeks in a row is enough. But 
Just this last week, National Geographic published a feature about Wells catfish titled Enormous Pigeon-Eating Catfish Wreaking Havoc <laughs> on Europe's Ecosystems. Like we, just, we, we can't do it because we also told people duck lures are stupid. So like, yeah. we can't keep talking about all these bird-eating fish. No, you know, no, we yeah. can't. But I, I, <laughs> I do want to shit, like, seriously, thanks to everybody who sent it to me. It, it's a really good read. And uh, and I'll just, I'll, for those of you who aren't going to read it, because most of you aren't, uh, the, the coolest little nugget in there is about how Wells catfish in France have adapted to intentionally, like, feed on and, and prey upon the country's significant population of pigeons and they kind of do it the same way that that sharks will grab prey off of beaches the catfish mm. are just like cruising right along the edge at where, where the birds congregate and 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 they wait for a pigeon to to get too close and then they throw themselves up on shore grab a pigeon and like flop back into the water it's it's really cool uh and and if you do read the article there's this one photo and it's so good it's like a drone shot from above of this pack of Wells catfish circling this little island that's just covered up in Ooh, pigeons. They're sneaky. They're sneaky like yeah. that. Yeah. So Crafty. That, that's, that's my shout out and 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 suggestion <laughs> for some quick reading. As always, this is a competition. Joe and I do not know which stories the other one is bringing. And at the end of it, our illustrious and might I add very handsome audio engineer <laughs> Phil will declare a winner. And then after that, we're going to drip the soothing baritone of Riverhorse right into your ear holes. Joe, you're up first, man. That was wonderful. That was way to butter up, Phil. That was that was good buttering. <laughs> Very good. Okay, so I get to kick here, uh, and this is such a relatable story, I can't even believe it. Very excited about this one, and it comes to us from Michigan's MLive.com, and the headline is simply, Police Solve Mystery of Abandoned Ice Fishing Gear. Now, to tell this story properly, I have to change the chronology and flow around just a little bit, because it's going to make it funnier, okay? So okay. Here's, here's how it breaks down. On Saturday, January 9th, police were called to Mellon Camp Lake because someone reported that there was ice fishing gear on the lake near a sizable hole in the ice that looked like a spot where someone fell through, okay? And, and by the time this was noticed, the hole had actually refrozen over, uh, the story said, with a little more than an inch of ice. So definitely scary and something worth calling the cops over. Like, that's that's freaky, right? Yeah. Um, and, and enrolled the yeah. Jackson County Sheriff's Office dive team, the fire department, and they went all in. They broke through the ice. They checked for a body in the water. Uh, but all they recovered from the water was more ice fishing gear. There was just more ice fishing gear down the hole, right? So the police. This is, this is then, a fascinating story. I, 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 oh, I, oh you, wait, you have my attention. It. You're gonna love it. You're gonna love it. Uh, the police then went door to door, asking if anyone had seen anything or if if anyone was missing. But but they weren't. There were no missing persons reports in the area. So the police put the photos of the recovered gear on social media, um, and it was quickly recognized by a dad. They don't give the dad's name, but by a dad of two local 14 year old boys, and he said, "Hey." I recognize that ice fishing gear. And then he confronted his sons who had, in fact, gone ice fishing on January 9th. Furthermore, okay, they were very upfront about having fallen through the ice while they were ice fishing, okay? But they managed to get out safely. Um, the day it happened, however, they came home wet and empty-handed, and Dad said, well, where's all the ice fishing gear? And the kids told him it, it all went down the hole. It's gone. But it wasn't. Obviously, okay, that wasn't true because there was gear left on the ice, which prompted the, the call to police. So what is the catch here? Well, well, the gear and the hole were found on Mellon Camp Lake. And on January 9th, 2021, the dad had given the boys explicit instructions to not fish on Mellon Camp Lake. Mm. The day of the incident, the boys lied and said they were on Little Wolf Lake, which was a dad approved ice fishing venue. Okay. Now, as a parent, there's certainly the very scary, unfunny aspect of this. But if you can't appreciate the humor, because in our teenage years, we've we've all like figuratively been right here and created an inadvertent shitstorm for ourselves that just spirals. OK, and, and I figure after the scare, after they got out of the water, you know, these two were like, OK, dude, we cannot tell dad we were on Mellon Camp Lake. And I yeah. bet. One of them was probably even like, but we left a rod and a chair out there. And they're like, just, just leave it. We'll just tell dad we lost it. We lost everything. Because 14-year-olds, like your mind is so obsessed with lying your way out of your immediate problem that I guarantee they did not have the foresight to say, yeah, but if somebody sees a rod and a giant hole and a chair <laughs> oh, no. out there or whatever, 
Never they might crossed call their the minds. cops. Never crossed their you minds. Know? I was I was here. I remember like, you know, we had a family boat with a big cabin and like my dad left me and a buddy down there overnight. He headed home and me and my my buddy, we were like 17, stayed down there and he's like, "I don't care what you do tomorrow, just don't rent a boat from the bait shop." Like, what's the first thing you do the next day? You go rent a boat from the bait shop. You don't want to fish on the dock. So, yeah. I get it. Um, but to bring closure to this, right? The dad went to the police station when he went to reclaim his gear, he brought the kids with him. And the officer quoted in the story, says, if you could have seen the looks on these kids' faces when the dad brought them in, they were scared to death. And the kids got a talking to <laughs> about the importance of being truthful and listening to your parents. But the cop said he really thinks the dad was hoping that, that he'd be a lot harder on them. But he just couldn't mm-hmm. do it. Like, he was just happy right. they were okay. He just couldn't of do course. it. But I understand that, right? I would have hoped that to have been like, here's a hundo. You can cuff him and throw him in a cell at 530 or so. Oh, yeah. and I'll come back and get him. Yeah. You know? I, but I, I don't want to have to deal with this ever again. Can you can you help me out I, with that? <laughs> I what I appreciate it's like a goofy little thing, but I appreciate like it's like that one detail that a fourteen year old you overlooked that just took that like now there are police involved and knocking on doors <laughs> and calls to action and dive teams just because you couldn't just run back out and pick up the chair and the rod. I mean, this is one of those moments where I wish I could I wish I could talk to these kids, but I also wish I could talk to fourteen year old my me and say. <laughs> You know, <laughs> if you start the lies, they're just going to stack up on top of each other, and eventually there are going to be too many lies for you to keep track of, and you're going to be screwed. So just don't. Just, just don't do it. Just don't that's, start. That's what happened here. Kids, just, you know, ice safety. Listen to your dad. Says me, the dad now, who didn't listen to my dad. Just forget Ever. everything I just said. Yeah, I know my kids aren't going to, like, 14-year-old me wouldn't listen to 40-year-old me. would be like, whatever, old man, I don't care. I, I'll tack on though. Good on you for going ice fishing for a couple 14 year olds yeah, going out ice sure. fishing on their own. Not that doesn't happen enough anymore. Got, good for you. I guys. got no problem Just, with that at all. And good on the dad for allowing that to happen, even though it's yeah. a dangerous activity. So, yes. Yes. Um, I, I can support that. Uh, and then we haven't really gotten to it yet, but we will at some point in the show have a, a substantive discussion about the massive advances in technology and ice fishing. There's been a lot of coverage about that kicking around lately. There has, and I haven't picked any of it up, but because there's not, not been in the thing that I'm like, I got to bring it to, to fish right. news. But I, right. I will say that that I can't wait for us to find the right avenue for that conversation because I think it's one that people want to want to hear from us about. And though the story I'm about to tell has nothing to do with ice fishing or ice fishing gear, it does have to do with fish and technology. Okay. And uh, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a story about robot fish. Ooh. Okay? And 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 not the robotic fish lures that that you brought in and we discussed a few weeks back i, I still think those are lame you take but, the hooks uh, off it's a robot fish just saying I, these particular <laughs> robot fish i think are far more interesting than than those things okay uh, so, so that that's that's my my intro there um roboticists at harvard university have come up with what they call blue bots which are four inch robot fish loosely designed to mimic indo-pacific reef fish called blue tangs these blue bots, they have they have tails that flap, just like like a fish, and that's how they 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 propel themselves through the water. And they have dorsal fins that can move to control their direction. They also have 360 degree camera eyes, and then mm. blue LED lights on their backs. And these fish can be programmed to visually locate one another and mimic some of the complex schooling behaviors of real fish. For example, the blue bots, they can arrange themselves into that that swirling tornado that bait fish do when they're trying to avoid predators. Yep. They yep. just spiral around and, and not run into each other and, and, and keep that tight, tight yeah. vortex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They can go out and, and locate objects in their environment and then alert the others in the school to where the location is so they all they all go there together. And that might not sound particularly impressive, but but the the ultimate goal of this technology which is developed based on observations of actual schooling fish in the wild, it, it could have some pretty badass implications. For example, they think it might help in aiding open water rescue missions, uh, seeking out and destroying harmful invasive species like lionfish, monitoring deep water infrastructure, helping us better understand how and why fish school, improving self-driving cars, or even finally allowing us to colonize Mars. All right. Huh, that's a that's a big one there. Yeah, yeah, that's where that's that's the one you didn't see coming. <laughs> the key is developing robots that utilize collective intelligence 
to dictate their actions, just like schooling fish do. Instead of individual intelligence, it's a collective intelligence. And, and here's a kind of a long quote that I think sums it up pretty well from Wired Magazine. This is the power of the crowd. A team of blue bots in constant communication and an exceedingly simple form of communication at that can work together to accomplish a mission. This is more fantasy than reality for now, but think about going to Mars. If Elon Musk and all the other rich guys want to pull that off, before humans can inhabit the planet, they'll need shelters. So you would have to send robot teams beforehand. And on Mars, there's no way to control the robots because there's too much latency for a signal to go from here to Mars. So they really need a high degree of autonomy. Without humans around to fix the mistakes, they'll have to cooperate perfectly to pull off complex construction tasks, all while navigating the rough Martian terrain. That's so heavy and scary. So there you go. If Elon Musk ever gets to build his creepy Martian utopia, we will have fish to thank for it. Yeah, and then we'll get there and be like, oh, thanks for building all this. Welcome, and they'll kill us. <laughs> because now they live there. Right. Like, we didn't build like, this haven't, for you. Like, don't, haven't these people seen the f- Terminator, man? Like, this is, this is exactly <laughs> how this shit begins. I'm not I'm not actually all that that excited about the the colonizing Mars thing but the the other ways that they're thinking about using this t- this technology I think is really cool like like tracking down lionfish like sending these things out as seek and destroy robots to kill lionfish super cool monitoring infrastructure super cool keeping an eye on on ecosystems without having to send people out all very useful my only concern is like if we send out, deploy too many of these, it, it feels like we're sending a lot of potential trash out of the oceans. But I, I see how the 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 benefits could outweigh the risks. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, and on one hand, I, there's the part of me that's like, this is too much. This has gone too far. I don't, I don't, I don't want this. But of all the things you rattled off, these could do like little lionfish sniper bots. That's cool. <laughs> that's really cool, right? Like that's I want in on that. Like like that like program would just like seek and drop destroy them over the reef fish. and they just like wow. seek and I mean that's that's yeah. badass. Yeah. Um also I have to imagine that the animated lore people are knocking on the door because this right here is the next iteration of the A-rig. Just a whole yeah. school of them. <laughs> Why well, have one animated lore yeah. when you have a whole yeah. entire? You could you the could just make school. your own bait ball. They've all got a hook in them. They all speak oh. to each other. See what you've done. See the ideas we're giving people now. Yeah, we're gonna ruin fishing. Okay. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. You ever get that feeling you're stuck inside staring at screens and a primal urge kicks in? You crave wide open spaces, fresh air, the chance to connect with the land? Well, maybe it's time to find your own piece of the wild. But searching for property can be a maze. That's where land.com comes in. They got millions of listings across the country, from mountain ranches to hidden fishing holes. Their search tools are like a seasoned guide helping you narrow down what you want. Land.com isn't just about buying and selling. It's about finding a place to hunt, fish, explore, or simply sit by a campfire and listen to the crickets. So head over to land.com today to turn one day into today. Because trust me, there's nothing quite like the feeling of standing on your own piece of earth. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. 
Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Good transition here, though, because because my next story sort of ties that um, futuristic technology and, and where it's going with like, is that good or bad? And there's kind of some good things. I don't know. Uh, anyway, this is local to me, but the, the overriding subject can and is affecting a lot more people in a lot more places. OK, so this is from uh, app.com headline. You can fish our turbines. OK, so there is a there's a big proposal that seems to be moving to the next phases to build a giant wind farm off the Jersey coast. Okay. And now the, the, the whole field of those massive turbines that have eyesored mm-hmm. millions of acres and ruining what were stunning views in some places, uh, in my opinion. Anyway, this would be a new thing for Jersey, but these turbines already exist off many other coasts, uh, including Rhode Island. Yep. Apparently there's a farm from off Rhode Island. Uh, the proposal for Jers put the turbines 10 to 20 miles offshore, uh, a little Southeast of, of Barnegat Inlet. Um, so this is from the story. There are many details to be worked out regarding the Atlantic Shores offshore winds lease site, but the wind energy developer has a message to fishermen. They are welcome to try their luck there. And to that, I say, thanks, Atlantic Shore offshore wind. But let me tell you something. <laughs> uh, we planned on it already. Like yeah. we were kind of already going to do that no matter what you said. Okay. And, and the uh, developer said it will it will not exclude anglers from the roughly... 183,000 acre wind farm. They just asked that we please not tie off our boats to them. And I mean, that's a fine rule. Best of luck with that too. Suffice it to say, New Jersey Transit has a hard enough time policing anglers that trespass on the railroad tracks to catch stripers at the bridges on land. Um, And I mean, there's even a real guy sitting in a little railroad house there, and that's a problem. So don't be shocked if some folks tie off to your turbines. Just a, a heads up. Uh, anyway, the turbines off Rhode Island are already a fishing hotspot per the story. I don't know that much about them. That's just from the story. And then it says, and I find this caveat interesting, um, just how well turbines attract fish is still under much study. It says that NOAA actually conducted a study on this and found that black sea bass, which are a really important species here commercially and recreationally, are sensitive to the sound created by wind turbines. So they don't like them. Um, In Mm. fact, many anglers, both on the commercial and recreational side, have raised a concern that the electromagnetic field that that these turbines and and a whole field of them will create will actually scare fish away. Um, And the developers say that because the cables will be, they're going to be buried at least six feet below the ocean floor, this won't be a problem. So here's what I say, man. Like, I'm all for other sources of energy, but I, God, I hate looking at those things. And I'm sure I've been to so many places where it's just miles of them in every direction. So at least they're, they're not an eyesore offshore. Like, at least they're, they're way out mm-hmm. there, so they're not, you know. Um, but th- that said, I'm excited, and I don't, I don't give a damn about black sea bass, really, but, I mean, there's going to be mahi and cobia, and it— to me, it creates sort of one of those who knows kinds of areas where, where all kinds of oddball shit will show up. You know, like we li- we live in that area where sort of the southern species and fisheries kind of cross over here in the summer, like kingfish, king max, mm-hmm. as an example. Mm-hmm. They're caught off Jersey all summer long, but it's pretty random. Like you just catch one out there in the great wide open while you're targeting something else. Right now, you put a bunch of of, of turbines out there. You're providing exactly the kind of structure that they cling to down south where there's oil rigs. So, I, I, I mean, I find it from a fishing standpoint very exciting. We've never had anything like this here, and rig fishing in the Gulf has always been one of my favorite things. So it's going to be a few years out before this is established, I think, and we can go fish them. But um, I don't know, man. It's something different. I don't know. I don't know where you are on the wind farms. Probably have a lot I, you could say about wind farms. Yeah. I do have a lot that I could say about wind farms. I'm not opposed. Let me let me start there, and and I'm I'm in favor of finding alternative sources of energy that that we can make work and that are viable and actually productive. I think though that technology has potential, it also has potential drawbacks. What I'm what I you 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 teed up the the oil rig thing, which is exactly that's where I went to, right? Because those are such 
important spots for 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 anglers in the Gulf, and yeah. they just go target so many fish everything rigs. yeah and, and, and so much stuff and there's there's sort of like i don't i don't mean to be crass or cynical but there's already sort of this like cultural cage match between petroleum and uh and alternative energies and i feel like we could just extend this out into fishing and be like all right who's got the best fish habitat oil rigs <laughs> or wind farms and like you know ha- find another way for us to fight over what kind of energy sources we put up not that that's a good thing but i am curious to see how it goes yeah, I would say rigs are going to win because looking at, at some like of these it. offshore turbines, you know, it's not like a straight telephone pole going into the ocean. There is a base and and legs, but there's just not as much metal and hidey holes and things down there as an oil mm-hmm. rig. Um, but I, I don't know, man. I, I, I think over time it would actually have the potential to create, you know, consistent fisheries here that are not consistent. Sheep's head, King Max, mm-hmm. stuff like that, mm-hmm. that kind of pitter-patter around here, few and far between. But, man, you put some some metal out there like that, I'm, I'm excited. Here's what I'll say. I think I think if there are any uh, offshore wind farm developers listening to the show, fat chance, but if you are, <laughs> here's your opportunity to get a large chunk of people on board with you if you want to get local support. Tell them you're going to redesign the basis of those things to have more structure and hidey holes and intentionally create fish mm-hmm. gathering habitat and i bet you get a whole lot more fishermen on board put a bent logo on every single blade <laughs> <laughs> what does that say it's moving really fast i can't see it uh look I, I think if that happens it will create uh a a a potentially great fishery for a very localized group of folks and as we do sometimes we focus on very localized stories and this this next one i've got is one of those super localized stories but i think it's pretty interesting um the final story of the day comes to us from the local Minneapolis ABC affiliate with the headline, Lake Minnetonka anglers rush to save thousands of game fish. Ooh. And like, if you go check this out, it's a totally standard local evening news segment. Like it's just, it's a lot of really bad B roll of like scenery and dead fish and this yep. frozen Creek cut together with just one interview of, of an older gentleman who's hanging out around the Creek. I think after the story had already kind of ended and I'm not, I'm actually not ragging. I, I want to be clear. I'm not ragging on local news reporters because those folks get like five bucks, one camera and 20 minutes to go and shoot and edit a 10 minute piece. And yeah, and it, it sucks for them, but I'm just, I'm just trying to set the scene here, but here's, this is the crux of the story. Minnehaha Creek runs through Minneapolis and, and it's, it's the centerpiece for a series of urban parks around the city. Uh, the, the Creek connects Lake Minnetonka, which is the, the like the aquatic playground of the Twin Cities, to, to the Mississippi River. A few days ago, residents and anglers around Minnehaha Creek started noticing these huge numbers of fish congregating in the pool just below Gray's Bay Dam, and a significant proportion of those fish were dead or dying. Gray's Bay Dam separates Lake Minnetonka from Minnehaha Creek, and it was built in 1979 to control seasonal flooding. From May through October... The, the watershed district opens the head gates and monitors the flow to roughly mimic natural seasonal patterns while holding back any catastrophic floodwaters. But from December through April, those gates get completely shut. Okay. And when that happens, the creek loses most of its inflow. And, and it, it doesn't run dry, but it loses most of that flow out of the, out of the lake. It, and it yeah. ices over, and then oxygen levels start to drop. And when that happens, all the fish that are, that are hanging out in that creek start looking for a more suitable habitat, but they're kind of screwed. Downstream passage gets blocked by Minnehaha Falls, and then if they try and go upstream back in the lake, they run into the dam. Right. So the result right. is exactly what you see captured in this local news story. It's this, it's this big creek, like a big pool right at the head of the creek, and it's just full of fish, and they're all slowly running out of oxygen. They got nowhere to go. Not surprisingly... A group of locals, many of whom seem to be anglers, decided they were going to step in and try and save the fish, or or at least the specific fish that they hope they could catch in the future. Right? They're they're definitely selectively being like, "Oh, there's yeah. a nice bass. Get the there's a nice northern." Exactly. And <laughs> and all these all these folks have been like showing up there and gearing up with waders and nets, and like some just have treble hooks and snagging lines, and they're just gathering fish, piling them into wheelbarrows. And then ferrying them over the dam and and drilling holes in the lake and, and dropping the fish through the holes in the ice back into the lake. Okay. So Ken Martinson, 
the, the angler who was interviewed for the local news story estimated that they had saved about 2,000 fish, specifically looking at bass, northerns, and big muskies. Mm-hmm. The Minnesota Department of Natural Resources told the, the, the local news station that the annual fish kills are, quote, a natural process every year, and that some fish will die as oxygen levels go down with the ice cover. The DNR added that winter fish rescues are not generally done as nature takes its course. So I am all for allowing nature to take its course. And sometimes that does mean winter kill, whether we're talking about terrestrial yeah. or aquatic wildlife. Happens. Animals die in winter. That happens. Yep. And, and we can't and we shouldn't try and save them all. But calling this particular situation a natural process, just it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't work for me. It's because not. <laughs> it's it's a direct result of closing the dam, and that's not natural, right? Like, I, I want to be clear. I'm not saying Minnesota DNR is wrong. It's their it's their logic. It's it's the 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 justification that they used there. Yeah, they mean just the, doesn't the, work for me. The new natural, the natural as we've made it, kind of. I'm if so <laughs> if they were if they had said if they had just said you know something like that watershed has healthy game fish numbers. And the winter kill in Minnehaha Creek doesn't pose enough of a threat to the overall populations to justify yeah. the resources it would take for a fish rescue. I would be totally fine with that. Right. I'd be like, cool. Just, that just makes own sense it. Yeah, to me. yeah, yeah. That's a bummer, but I get it. So, so like, I wish that I, I get that that may have not sounded as good in a in a press release statement, but I feel like that's the more honest answer, and I wish that that's what they'd gone with. And despite all that, if I were one of those local anglers and I, I, I walked up on all that, I'm pretty sure I'd be wagering up and grabbing my net, net and being like, oh, there's, there's a good one. I'm getting that. I'd do the same thing that these <laughs> folks are doing. I, I, I think I would. Like, even if, even if I knew that the outcome didn't really matter in the grand scheme of yeah. the health of the fishery, like, even if I knew that saving that one muskie was completely symbolic because the chances of me ever catching that muskie in the future are, are zero, I think I'd still do it. I'd do it. I mean, yeah, I. It'd be hard to see big muskies and northerns just just flopping there, but just dying. Sadly, if you and I walked up on this and it was like a bunch of suckers or something, I I I, I probably oh, wouldn't. It's terrible. Exactly, and and that's 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 kind of my point, right? Is I, that I, it's totally a symbolic act that makes those those folks feel good. And I'm not dogging on either the DNR <laughs> or those people because I get where both of them are coming from. I wish the DNR would be a little more honest about it, but I also think if I were one of those anglers, even if I knew it was a pointless thing to do, I'd probably be down there scooping with them. And one one final point I, I have to add here. there There's a literary angle for me in this story. Mm. Minnehaha Creek is named for a fictional character in the epic Longfellow poem, Song of Hiawatha. In that poem, the protagonist's great love, Minnehaha, meets an untimely and tragic but unavoidable end when she dies in the midst of a severe winter. Oh man. So, so oh. you know, if you if you had a poetic flair, you might say that the the game fish in that creek that that they get trapped every winter are just kind of <laughs> adhering to a fate inherent in the name of the creek where they are, you know. Ah, uh, there's also a musical tie-in. Didn't didn't Prince say, "Why don't you purify yourselves in the waters of Lake Minnetonka?" Wasn't yes, that Prince, or, or was that Chappelle? Just I, I think that was Chappelle. At, I think that was Prince. just Chappelle. Every yeah. time some, I appreciate every time somebody says Lake Minnetonka, I have to say to myself, "Why don't you purify yourself in the waters of Lake Minnetonka?" <laughs> so thank you. Yeah. So that, that's that's where I'm ending on that one is with 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 some Longfellow. Well, Phil can take over now. Phil, I'm I'm quickly trying to remember what we talked about. The mini ha ha scooping uh, muskies and pike into uh, wheelbarrows. Mm -hmm. uh, what did I talk about today? Lying, dirty, lying teenagers who, who, who scared scared their parents to death. It's a smorgasbord of opportunities of fish news here for you, Phil. Pick the, the morsel that seems most delectable. Joe Cermelli, you're the winner this week. <laughs> and guys, before you find all my fishing gear on the ice and unravel this for yourselves, I have something to tell you. A few weeks ago, I made this joke about how I couldn't find a PS5 in stores, and you guys very graciously wished that I found my PS5 for Christmas, and I gotta come clean. I've had a PS5 since November. In fact, I play so many video games that Sony invited me to a private pre-order waiting room to get it directly from them. So, there you have it. 
I'm a pasty indoor kid, and if I ever turn in this podcast late, it was probably because I spent the entire day playing Demon's Souls like a middle schooler during summer vacation. Hey now, this is River Horse coming to you from the deep south with some sagely wisdom. Today, we're going to take a little trip to the country club. What's that, you ask? River Horse, are you a member of a country club? Why, yes, the whole earth is our country club. But as far as this particular country club goes, uh... Nah, but there's golf there. Do I play golf? Oh, that's a good one. If I did, my driver would be an eight weight and my golf ball a deer hair frog. But you know what is there that I do find quite interesting? A bunch of bass ponds along the course. So let's go check it out. Come along. The country club, with an initial membership fee of 50,000 bucks and another grand a month for dues, sits along a few ponds that, based on satellite images, are dark, greasy, weedy, and sublime. I try to imagine paying 50 grand for something, but that doesn't really register. Even my flat skiff, I sold a guitar to get it. One of the secrets of fancy country clubs is that the greens are shut down for maintenance one day a week. Here, that day is Monday. That's when I like to stop on by. According to the groundskeeper, the bass are from a strain first stocked in the 1940s. They are absolute slabs, he tells me. Oh, that's interesting, I replied from the truck, feigning boredom. The first couple trips I went there, the place was empty. As with any set of gates with a guard, it's best to act like you belong there. I rolled through at a respectful but confident 20 miles an hour and hold a pair of fingers out the door. Hey, hey, so good to see ya, and keep right on rolling to the back parking lot. I've never really understood the concept of golf, although I've always known a life without obsession is worthless, so I can relate on some level. Still, do they realize how many stellar fly rods you could buy instead of a set of clubs? An eight weight versus a five iron? Oh, are you kidding me? Behold the shooting head with a clouser or frog attached and watch this 90-foot drive. Unfortunately for me, this time when I show up to fish, golf has won. There's a tournament going on. From far away, it looks like the crowd has congregated against the distant side of the course, leaving the seedy backwater ponds open. Well, it's where I want to fish anyway. I quickly line up the fly rod and go for it. There's something about casting a fly rod we all unconsciously know. The simple rhythm of it puts the rest of the world in the rearview mirror. It doesn't even seem real to me. I'm already lost gliding a stout frog the size of a hard-boiled egg deep into the recesses of the cove when I realize that the putting green above me is filled with hundreds of golf fans, some of them are looking down at me. I see telephoto lenses, film cameras, polo shirts with the collars up, and even the guy holding the flag. And then I see the wicked take of a seven-pounder crushing the frog, and I strip set hard. While the throngs of a crowd stop the golf tournament to gawk, the bass finally comes alongside the manicured grass bank of the putting green, where we can all get a good look at him broadside. Just for good measure, he tells gravity to kiss his ass, 
and tail walks with gills flared and heaving the last few feet of water. I can't breathe for a second, it's so beautiful. Thousands of the fans scream and applaud, and some dork ass gives a long catcall whistle. Then, I see golf carts coming my way. A lot of them. Oh, lordy, this is about to get exciting. You obviously aren't a member here. Do you know who is that up there? Bellows the course official after he removes the unlit cigar from his mouth. Going for levity, I say. Whoever it is just saw me stick a sweet bass. The country club cop proves to be a tough audience and yells, That's bleep! Insert name of famous veteran pro golfer here. He's trying to qualify for the U.S. Open. Get in the cart now. Thus begins the golf cart, slow and bizarre, ride of shame. I slide into the seat next to him, or what's left of it. We crawl past the onlookers with their frowns, smirks, and disgusted glares. I miss the days when you could moon people and not get in trouble. These guys could have used a good, rowdy, pressed ham. The old hogback growler. I know I'm pushing the limits pretty hard already, and I'm still not sure if there'll be a trespassing ticket. So I behave and break down the rod. One, two, three. I count five other golf carts following. At the parking lot, I refrain from any more jokes as I show them the taillights of the truck and reach for a beer from the cooler. I recently found yet another country club down the road from where a former president lives. The membership is more than a hundred thousand bucks a year. Sweet Jesus. What do they have in there? Tarpon? Ooh, I'll let you know next Monday. And that's our sagely wisdom for today. And what have we learned? Let the world be your country club. Now get out there and stick them. Well, that was my favorite sagely wisdom yet. River Horse. Absolutely. Mine too. You, you nailed it, man. <laughs> mine too, man. You absolutely nailed it. But I mean, truth is, I I am, and River Horse knows this, I'm a sucker for anything that pokes fun of golf or golf culture. Mm-hmm. I, I actually worked for, for a short time as a server at a country club for a few months. And uh, and it was you've my- done so many things: security guard, country <laughs> yes. club. I've had a lot of shitty jobs, man. And uh, <laughs> and but that one was like my own personal hell, right? And I, I have so many like we don't have time. Sometime in another context, I will, I will maybe write a book about it. But there weren't even any bass ponds on the course that I could like, oh, s- go sneak away and fish and get fired. It bummer. just sucked. Bummer. Well, this, see, this actually makes me realize how jealous I am of River Horse and guys like him in general, and I'll tell you why. I'm not saying that never in my life have I fished somewhere I wasn't supposed to be, right? But on those rare, rare, very, very rare occasions, super rare, um, I wasn't exactly relaxed while I was doing it. You know what I mean? Then they, not, like, there's not dudes a, like River Horse. Breaker. Yeah, not now. But then you have dudes like Riverhorse that not only do they pull it off, but they're just totally chill about it, and they're not sweating the consequences. Mm-hmm. And I admire, I admire that confidence. I admire that attitude of like, it's all good. And so, what if we get caught, man? Nothing bad's going to happen. Where I'm like, oh, fine. Let's we'll just get in and make a couple casts and get the hell out of here. Okay, <laughs> just get in real quick and cast, and we'll go. Because I'm not. I don't want to go to jail. Yeah, he'd pre- Riverhorse would tell me like, ah, like you let the man bring you down. That's probably no. what he'd, he'd say to me. No, I think, no, I, no. River, River, dude, Riverhorse would would never like judge like that. I, I don't. I, I think I can confidently say that I, I think his response would be something like, "That's your journey, hombre. You find your own way of sticking it to the man." Maybe he'll call in and tell me I was wrong, but but that's how I think right. he would respond. And I hope not. All right, so so moving on. Speaking of the man. We're gonna uh, we're gonna skip end of line this week for once, not forever. It's coming back soon, but just this week. And uh, instead, 
we're going to slot in a tackle hacks because we've got a really good one from the big bass man himself, also known as our buddy Oliver Nye. This is a this is a great tip for for people like Riverhorse who sneak into golf course ponds because you got to maximize your efficiency before yep. the security gets you. Uh, and and if you're only going to get in ten casts, this tip is going to help you make them count. I'm getting hacked. Coming from inside the city. Hide the planet. Joining us today on Tackle Hacks, very good friend of the program, bass fisherman among all other fisheries extraordinaire. Oliver Nye of Big Bass Dreams, what's going on, man? What's up, boys? Appreciate you being here. I think uh, I think it's fair to say that, that we can all learn something from you and, and your skills. You certainly get around and, and fish for all kinds of different species, even though you are most associated with bass. So I'm very curious, because of your repertoire and, and all the different things you fish for, what uh, you got for us for a tackle hack today? What is the the simple trick that is stuck with you that you lean on often that can help us all perhaps achieve our own big bass dreams? Well, uh, a common lure style amongst multiple species is a jig head and a soft plastic. Sure, I've heard of this inshore. I've heard I heard that offshore. I heard that somewhere. It's, it's a thing. It kind of makes me cringe when I look at guys that post these heaping piles of used soft plastics like man i had an incredible day i've got a hundred dollars worth of soft baits that i just burned through when i grew up man i was really poor so i would literally take every soft plastic bait i was catching fish on that would rip off my texas rig worms off my carolina rigs uh off my little darter head and grub setups and I would go home and I'd take a lighter and I would melt them all back together so I could keep using yep. them and keep catching totally. fish. And that yep. still can be a thing. But uh, one one tackle hack that I figured out, especially when you're working with a jig head and a soft bait, is to secure that plastic body with half a drop of super glue. So all you want to do is take your jig head, thread the head of your plastic up to the shank, but then apply that glue to that shank here, right on that curve, and push that bait into place in one single swoop, clean motion. And that little dab of super glue is going to achieve a couple things. It's going to lock that plastic body onto that jig head. So when you're getting short strike, your bait's not getting its pants pulled down and now gotcha. deemed inoperable. That's its most important like component and feature for me is it keeps you actually fishing all of the time. Yep, sure. All right. And then, of course, the cheap side of me, I mean, the frugal <laughs> side of me, uh, really <laughs> likes the <laughs> fact that I can catch, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 fish on a swim bait body like this if, you know, Lady Luck is on my side instead of one fish per bait. So I'm a huge fan of super glue in general. I use it for way too many things. You know what I mean? Even in fly tying, like I'll admit sometimes I'm just lazy and like just put a, you know, drop super glue on there. But what I'm curious about, cause I've heard about putting super glue on the collar of say a jig head, sort of slathering on and jamming it on. But you're talking about this one drip down the, the sort of the slick shank of the hook, right? So yep. I'm curious, does it hold it in place securely enough to do all those things, but also make it so you don't destroy your bait if you have to, say, change colors. Ooh, see, at that point, I'm just going to cut the jig head off. Okay. And grab another bait because, yeah, it just, it's not worth it. Gotcha. Yep. I, okay. I understand. Okay. So you're That's just going to change out the whole jig head and, and sort of have all your colors lined up, but then those are all secure and they stay on there. Yeah, typically, you know, you can figure out whatever color combo or jig head uh, weight combo is working in a particular scenario. So hopefully you'll have it narrowed, narrowed down by then and you're not having to continually switch. I love it, man. And particularly <laughs> people spend a lot of money on hand pours. I mean, the mm -hmm. hand poured stuff is such a big deal now and I use a lot of it, but I just, I mean, it is softer, generally speaking, than yep. a lot of the molded stuff. So I have that problem with hand pours a lot and I use a lot of hand poured swim baits like for dolphin and stripers out here. So there you go. Glue on the shank. So that's it for this week, and I'd say we've completely outfitted you for a mashup of sportsing. You're now fully prepared to rollerblade over to the golf course with your Tenkara rod while wearing questionable waders and an overpriced powder blue hat. Please send selfies.
of, oh, of you doing these things. <laughs> well, that, that was that was well done. And send those, please. If they those exist, send them. Uh, also send bar nominations, sale bin items, thoughts, comments, and concerns to bent at the meateater.com. We really do love hearing from you. And remember, if we use anything you send in the show, you get a killer sticker pack from us. Likewise, we always have eyes on those Degenerate Angler and Bent podcast hashtags on Instagram. You might get stickers by tagging us up, too. We are watching you. We really do hope you're all getting out on the water this weekend, whether that be liquid or solid. However you find it, go enjoy it. <laughs> and if you're getting out for trespassing, don't tell the man we told you to do it. Do not implicate us in the matter. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose Interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today. 